Welcome everyone to Coiscast number 13. An interesting panel this week um, because every single Coiscast uh, since number two has featured at least one of these two guests. However, this is the first time since Coiscast 2 that they've been on together. Uh, so my first welcome goes to Dimigod. Hello. Thanks for having me back. And then to Jake S. Is that indicative of how Coiscast 2 went? or <laughs> And just how busy and how much in demand the two of you are. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's very polite. <laughs> and then finally, the man in control, AC. Hi. So lots of questions came in, and thanks to all Coisers for submitting them. Uh, quite a few of them were similar, so I channeled my inner Graham. That's Graham, the current Coys Champion League trophy holder, and um, merged quite a few of them. So uh, if I don't mention you by name, you'll probably recognize uh, your question in one of the mergers. So I, I'm going to start with, with one that I just I put together four or five that pretty much said the same thing. And I don't blame them, which says, you know, just talk about the city game for as long as you like. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I feel like you've really captured quite how awesome it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still quite lost for words about it all because I can't recall in quite some time uh, us playing that well. And to the point where everybody was good. If your only issue really is, oh, it's a bit unseemly them arguing who could take the penalty to put the third goal past a team that's widely tipped to run away with the league. That's pretty brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's one way of looking at I mean, it. I thought we were really good. I thought we were really good for an hour, but I do think we ran out of steam a little bit, just as like a slight um, caveat, I guess, that in the end, if you look at like the chances created, that it really came down to just superior finishing from us, an own goal... But at the same time, it was probably the best team performance that I've seen from us under Pochettino and then you know, going back. Maybe some of the Champions League away matches under Redknapp, well, Real Madrid excluded. Um, everything about that performance was absolutely spot on in terms of the aggression. Uh, Pochettino talks a lot about passion, and I don't think he necessarily means it in like the English sense of passion. Yeah, but threats also included on that. Tim Sherwood style. Or, yeah, not so much Tim Sherwood passion, but like sort of aggression. Well, he used the word aggressivity. Um, just the power, the running, the pressing, everything was so on point. And it's it's kind of rare to see that. And I know, you know, some people may be underwhelmed a little bit. Someone like Lamella, especially having missed the penalty. But to create a performance at that level, it requires every single player to be absolutely on their game. And, you know, for me, there wasn't a player that was less than an 8 out of 10 just purely because of how well it worked, the whole shape, almost like a swarm of bees or like a shoal of fish, the way that they all interconnected. And I think as well, it was nice to see the Wanyama, Ericsson, Ali triangle in midfield come out because before the match, I thought that looks very scary. I would have put in Dyer if he was fully fit to play from the start. But then that's not really Mauricio Pochettino's style. He doesn't really care about reputations and he's more than happy to try and play on the front foot even if it might leave you a little bit vulnerable which it didn't really um so yeah i thought all around it was quality it's unbelievable performance i found it a little bit mealy mouth with some of the commentary seeming to suggest that it was because man city hadn't hadn't known or hadn't had their greatest day i think that ignores the fact that we worked had a clear game plan as you say Dimmy, that we knew what we were expecting of them and we also knew that we had a very clear way to counteract that by attacking them 
the the issue about Bravo and him not being the greatest sweeper keeper in the world, I think, is a bit of a false starter as well. It's not the fact that he is used to having more time and more ability to, you know, more options available for him. It's the fact that we closed him down to such an extent that the the passes he had were only wide rather than forwards most of the time. I think it was largely down to us that they didn't seem the team that they would like to appear to be in most of their games. I also think that you're right that we didn't play to our full strength. You know, we weren't flat out for the whole game. And I also don't think we'll play as well as that for probably again for a while. But the point of that is we won't need to because we're not going to be playing a team as good as Manchester City again for a while. Yeah, so on Bravo, I think it becomes a bit of a sideshow with sort of the media when they go, oh, he, he's pressed, he can be rattled. I don't actually think he was particularly bad against us. In fact, I no. thought he was pretty decent. I thought he handled the press well. And actually, there's this idea that um, Guardiola only wants his goalkeeper to play short passes and play it out from the back. But the guy pings... 80 yarders up to the strikers because he's a release ball as much as anything. Guardiola isn't someone that just wants to play tiki-taka. He's more than happy to go direct. And I think that's partly why he wanted Bravo because he can go long and he can go short and he coped with the pressure well, even though it was really intense. So actually it wasn't like we rattled this goalkeeper. We, but the back line was definitely rattled much more so than the goalkeeper. And then at the other end of the pitch, you've got this ridiculously mean defense the third best in Europe. I think only Atletico Madrid and Bayern have conceded less goals with two. And on that point, Pochettino is the only manager in the last six seasons to have conceded four or fewer goals in the first seven league matches. And he's done it with Southampton the year before he joined us and now this season as well. So you've got this ridiculously rigid defence. And I thought it was a really interesting little tweak that they made uh, against Manchester City because I was looking at the um, the pass maps and pass combinations and against Liverpool, there was this triangle where it was dire. It was, well, until he went off, uh, well, was moved to right back rather. And then there was, um, Wanyama as a triangle between Vertonghen, uh, Alderweireld, Wanyama. They were playing the passes around in a triangle. And I think between them, they made about 40 passes. Whereas against Manchester City, they just totally didn't do that at all. And they played it out wide to the fullbacks. And, uh, Alderweireld and Vertonghen only played four passes to each other which is really unusual, but I think it, it was just about stretching the play a lot more and going wide and getting in and around them, and then Son's movement provided an outlet that they could go up to the front a lot quicker. So all in all, I just thought it was, it was really tactically really, really good. That also touched on the um, the relief more than anything for some of the more sceptical. I mean, obviously, this time last season, for example, where people were slightly concerned that Poch didn't have a plan B. I don't think there's a question of him having a specific set plan anymore. He's got players who will adapt to what he wants them to do within a game or within a period of a game much much more readily now than he had what a year ago, like I said. I think the joy of him is that he is tactically flexible and he's now drilled it into his team to appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got the players as well to play any number of ways. Um, maybe we... I know we talked about this on the, the the last time I was on the pod that there was maybe like an X factor attacking signing that was missing, but the options now on the bench, even when you've got Kane missing, Dembele missing, uh, Dyer's sort of half fit, you've still got so many options on the bench that it's hard to even pick what the first choice team would be. And I think that's really good. It's a really nice problem to have. I felt surprisingly calm going into the last ten minutes for some reason, considering we're playing against Man City. I think I it's the, the Alderweireld effect. <laughs> it all I'm, goes back to Toby, does it? It basically does. I feel fairly confident that if, by some miracle of science, we could 
get a, like a 26-year-old Lenny King and stick him next to Adam Herald. I'm not sure any team would ever score against that defence. <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable and a large part of the reason why we're doing so well. Actually, as well, a kind of unsung hero um, was Vertonghen. I thought he was really, really good, like a proper return to form for him as well. Yeah, I agree, especially in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, stepped up big time. Um, made a, one really brilliant block. I think John Stones had gone on some kind of marauding run through the middle of our defence, and yeah, he made a really good block. And it's, that's nice to see. And I think he probably gives more of a passing presence out than Wimmer. He is one of the oldest heads in the squad. So if he's on song, that's good. It can only be good. For me, it was probably the, the game I've enjoyed the most since we played Stoke away last year. And given the... Um, the difference in quality of those two opponents, this is in better performance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the Stoke one was just this free-flowing football at such a high-pressure type moment in the, the title race, whereas today it was almost like laying down another marker. It seemed like last season we laid down this marker against Manchester City, but it is so comfortably and kept them largely under wraps. But this is a team that have been making sides look really amateurish up until now in the Premier League. There is the point, though, that other than the team who was in sixth when they played, I think it was written in the Guardian this week, they haven't exactly been playing difficult sides, Man City. So we were almost the first proper acid test. And it's interesting to see how, well, it will be interesting to see how they come back from this. I, I disagree with, whilst they were missing De Bruyne, I can't believe that a team that's had that much money thrown at it again this summer can... Uh, rely so much on one player. And I say that as someone who was terrified when we saw Dembele wasn't in the starting eleven. Yeah, maybe they were a little bit unlucky in that Gundogan is not at a point fitness-wise where he can play two games in a week and they had that quite grueling match against Celtic. But yeah, I, I agree with that. So the next question really starts off with a statement, which is what a difference two weeks makes. Um, and the question takes us back to mid-September for the home well, I say home, the Wembley game against Monaco in the Champions League. Um, and it's really asking to talk about the, the two games that we've played so far in the CL and, and what are the panel's views on our performances in those two games and how does that, how do those performances augur for the rest of the group stages? There's a noticeable difference in the way we start matches, I think, in Europe, not just the Champions League, but the Europa as well. We seem a bit more tentative when we set out in games. Um, I'd like us to, I mean, against Chuska, CSKA, whichever way you want to pronounce it, against the Moscow team, I mean, they're no great shakes really, are they? They're not supposed to be a team that are going to progress that far. Slutsky's quite a hilarious manager. I, I quite like him throwing himself about on the touchline. But I don't know, I, they seemed really kind of tepid and we should have been able to put more past them, but... There's just a lack of impetus sometimes when, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is the fact that it feels like a different type of game to them, but they should be able to impose themselves more in these matches. And we do tend to be missing some end products sometimes, but we're doing all right. I, I, I am probably one of the least enthusiastic people on the board, just in general, but in particular with um, reference to the Champions League, because I, I think I'm still a little bit burned by how we threw ourselves out of the Europa League last season when we probably could have won it. Actually, I think against Seska, uh, CSKA, whatever we're going to go with, um, to me it was quite interesting because we ended that game with almost a Europa League team out, but we didn't play like a Europa League team. There was Trippier on one side and Davis on the other. So 
I guess that is kind of legislates for there being a slight dip in quality, but at the same time, we did control the game a lot. Maybe needs to be a little bit more clinical, but I think maybe partially that's just a, the problem of personnel that maybe besides Ali and Son, you've not really got anyone in there that is going to put away their chances. And Janssen is still sort of bordering on Soldado territory for me. Don't yeah. talk that way yet. Do well, we? th- no, not yet, but he's just, he looks like such a good player. Uh, he does everything you want from this hold-up man. Um, you know, he's got this uh, backside that seems to be able to push away about 10 different players at the same time. He's brings other players into the game, probably more so than Harry Kane. His movement is good. He doesn't stop running. But he also doesn't really look like scoring a lot of the time. So he he really needs to go on a little run of form. But the way that performance played out against Manchester City without him could make it quite hard for him to get back in the side, especially when you look at the four fixtures that are coming up. They're all, the majority are against big teams. And Pochettino has probably seen now that actually in, in the bigger games, he wants Sun up front. So that could spell a spell on the, on the bench for Janssen. You, you've segued into, I think you must have been reading the question list, because you've segued into, into another one, which is, does the panel believe that all Janssen needs is a few goals and he'll be okay? Or are they concerned he might not be suited to our playing style? Oh, he's suited to our playing style, I think. I mean, I think it's quite evident that his hold-up play, as Dimmy said, is brilliant. Um, the issue is, and I don't know if, Prof, if you saw it over in the States, there's the thing of um, Rude Hullet basically saying, look, he's almost running into the corner to avoid being in the position to receive the ball for the shot. I do feel a bit sorry for him at times because there's been loads of occasions where he's been running into the space between the two centre-backs and pointing and the ball's gone out wide. So maybe there is a bit of adjustment for both the team and for him to to realise when when he's going to make those runs in the team's side and when he should make those runs on Janssen's side. But yeah, I mean, there's a player in there without a doubt. The the offside finish was quite beautiful, the one which got ruled out, obviously. I think it is just a case of him needing a couple to go in and not off the... You know, off a, a backside of a defender or off his knee, but a, a nice finish, and I think he'll get a bit more confident again. I mean, it's still very young, and he's not exactly had a lot of experience at the top level, so I think it will take a while. I think, unlike Soldado, who was, you know, in his peak years when he came to us and was struggling, I, I think it's okay for Jansen to take a little time to get used to it all. And he also isn't, unlike Soldado, an utterly baffling purchase. Just in terms of tying in with how we play and, you know, the, the fact that that's the style of play that we had under AVB didn't really seem to suit Soldado or have I got that all ass about face? No, I think, I, think you're, I think you're right about that. Uh, my only worry, I guess, with him is, is he built to be a squad player? Which is ultimately, if you say Kane is number one, Son is number two, is he a player that needs a run in the team? Is he someone that can come in off the bench? I think he probably can because he's done quite well. In the appearances so far, but then I don't think he's necessarily going to be prolific in that sort of role, which is maybe why someone like uh, Michi Bashoi, who has this history of being a kind of a super sub, I think in his first season at Marseille, was averaging a goal about every, every 70 minutes because he was coming off the bench and scoring, whereas Janssen maybe needs to be more of a figurehead, um, so that, that could be difficult for him to adapt to being more of a squad player. I'd have argued that we wouldn't spend 30 million quid on a bench player but then we did the last day of the uh, transfer window <laughs> yeah exactly although i got to say I think Suzuko is quite good I, I feel like there's nothing stats wise that is going to back that up 
and nothing even with your eyes that's going to back that up. But just in, <laughs> in, in terms of, like, I feel like he's quite a good fit, just of, like, like little things, like the formation now with Ericsson and Ali just sitting ahead of Wanyama. When either of one of them goes forward, Sizoko slips in, and you've got, like, a ready-made central midfielder there, but then he can play out wide, and he'll grow, and he'll get better as the, the matches go on. I think in terms of, you know, creating a solid shape and creating this... Uh, move, moving parts, moving pressing parts that sort of run around all over the pitch. I think he's a good addition, but then he's probably not a thirty million pound addition. I guess thirty million pounds. I think it's. It reminds me of when a basketball team will buy a player solely for their sort of defensive and their ability to run up and down the court. Like they, they... Yeah, he does feel like he fits a profile, doesn't he? That they were like, we just want one person to do this very specific job. Yeah. And then they went and spent quite a lot of money. It was, it was pretty noticeable how Man City basically didn't do anything up our left-hand side. Yeah, even to the point of moving Sterling out. But then it could have been different had Nolito been playing. Um, I think he was actually as big a miss as De Bruyne, potentially, because he has does a really good job of stretching the play and staying incredibly wide. Whereas Navas doesn't really work on the opposite flank and then they had to move Sterling across and they moved Sterling back and they couldn't really get their wide men into the game which has been such a feature of their play at the start of the season interesting question based on or actually ties in with something I think that Dimi said earlier and the question is are there any significant weaknesses left in the squad I think that there is still one weakness that is the one x-factor attacker the one you know, you'd probably take out Lamella or take out Sizoko, um, but just that one player who can split a defence with one pass that can, you know, spot the passes that Janssen wants in between centre-backs. I think sometimes Eriksen is a little bit cautious with his passing, which is why I prefer him deeper, where he can be more of a uh, deeper line playmaker. Um, Ali, I don't think, is particularly good in the hole. Again, I like him coming from deep and running into space. So maybe a player that can sort of operate in the hole a little bit better, better close control. Or maybe that player is Marcus Edwards, and he's just right first onto the scene. How dare you mention his name? <laughs> maybe that player could also be Sun, to be honest. I mean, yeah, the pass be. through for Ali's goal was quite beautiful. Yeah, he's got much more awareness, I think. Partly because he probably makes those runs a lot more, so he, he's got an awareness of when to play it like they say the best crosses of the ball are strikers because they know exactly where they want it that's how I kind of feel with Sun that he knows where he'd want the ball um, yeah that's that, that's the one the one weakness of the squad is is missing that one player in attack but otherwise I, I don't really think this is another area of the squad that is in any way weak at all I was slightly concerned about cover for Hugo at the start of the season but Vaughan was alright Vaughan was unreal against Liverpool. I think I think actually he was so good. If Loris had been fit to play, we wouldn't have won the match. Well, we wouldn't have drawn the match rather, um, because he was far quicker off his line than Loris usually is. Because Loris is kind of, I know he's got this reputation as being this premier sweeper keeper, like the best in the league, but he's kind of stopped that a lot now. He doesn't really come out of his box that often. I think that's because he's been told to stop it. Because under AVB, it was we we looked seriously dodgy at times with him running out. I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer. I feel like we should we should be more uh, <laughs> pessimistic about this. No, there's there's definitely well, somewhere that's really really. I don't f- I don't think so because you expect bench players to be a step down from first teamers, of course. But as you mentioned, you know if if. Hugo was injured for, let's pick any player for, let's say Hugo for six games, would I be 
devastated that Vorm had to play? No, I wouldn't. If, you know, Rose was out for six games, would it be the end of the world if Davis had to play? If Yan was out for six games, the same for Wim. I mean, you know, I, for me, I feel like the squad, at least in the back, uh, you know, the defence and defensive midfield is as strong as I've ever known it. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. Um, next question was, do the panel have any concerns over Ericsson um, and his temperament and ability to take a game or lack of ability to take a game by the scruff of the neck? Put your foot in, Ericsson. Just put your foot in once. Go in for a 50-50. <laughs> Go on, I dare you. I double dare you. Other than I, that... I thought sorry, you did it against Man City. Uh, in which sort of case... Some, it. He bottled a couple half of did it. Exactly. Um, but it's it's the one weakness, and admittedly that means he gets to play more games because he never goes for a tackle, so won't get injured. But my God, it just needs it sometimes just to be a bit more assertive. Other than that, I think he gets a little bit bad press. I mean, his his numbers are generally very good. He's integral to how we play. He was brilliant against City. I mean, what what? How much more do you want from a player? He even did a slide tackle against Man City. Yes, I've never and that seen slide that. across to block out the ball at one point as well. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Were you surprised he didn't? He wasn't involved in the conversation for taking the penalty. It's not really his thing, is it? That's a bit too much fuss. <laughs> <laughs> I no, think I mean, that goes quite, back to the temperament, doesn't it? Yeah, he's quite a laid-back player. I mean, yeah, I, I have a lot of time for him. I like his his approach and his attitude off the pitch. I liked. I mean, this does go back again for a little dig to Deadwood, the point where. There was a comment made in one of the post-match press conferences about the tactics, and he cut to Ericsson, and he was killing himself laughing. I mean, I, I quite like the guy. He does seem to realise there's a bit more to life, but sometimes, yeah, a challenge or two would be a little bit more interesting from him. But, yeah, he's, he's a great player. I think there is a limitation to what he can do, but that's the same with everyone, isn't it? He, he's playing really well in the side, and he's fairly instrumental to us on our good days. Yeah, I was quite critical of him at the start of the season but I prefer him a lot more now that he's been pushed back a little bit deeper. Um, he kind of controls everything. If he comes, I think it's the same with Dembele as well. If you lose one of those two players or both, you lose the control of the midfield. It's pretty easy just to stick Ericsson. If you've got one of those two players in the midfield, you know you're gonna, probably going to win the midfield battle, either through Dembele just being able to you know, brutalise other midfields or Ericsson being able to control them with his passing. Um, and I like him a lot in a deeper role. I'm still not sure about him when he's pushed further forward into that number 10 slot. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's really, really returned to form recently and he was excellent against Manchester City. Do you think um, he's linked, sorry, with the um, contract talk, as was rumoured? Personally, I don't think so. I remember, I think it was like the, the first game after he played and uh, Glenn Hoddle was talking about him punditry saying, oh, he's really found consistency after he signed the contract. He played one game. How can you have consistency after one game? Um, yeah, I guess like it, criticism of Glenn. Sounds well, like criticism of Glenn. It might be a little bit of criticism of Glenn, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it probably played that much. I think much more is just having the security of Suzuko on the right as well. I think that's helped him um, because he knows that if he drifts, Suzuko will tuck in um, or equally because they've got this kind of pivot with Ali that if he gets forward, Ali can drop in. So I think the whole system is working really, really well. If You can almost say the same thing about Ali, to be honest. Ali's yeah, I think like them, really, yeah. really relaxed in how he sort of does most of his stuff, which can be infuriating at times when he tries to do like a 
reverse backheel nutmeg instead of just passing it sideways. But, but that's one of the things I like about Pochettino is that for all this defensive coaching, drilling and organisation structure, he does kind of let players just get on with it, especially in like an attacking sense. And yeah. it's probably what is different from maybe like a Mourinho where if you had like a really crazy defensive record, the strikers wouldn't really be doing that much or the attackers, that it would be a little bit dull. Whereas he does let players just express themselves. And I think that's that's quite a rare combination. Rare combination again of Ali being quite laid back and also being a chippy little sod. <laughs> But it's really, even when he's being a chippy little sod, he looks really relaxed up until he punches them in the gut. It's really weird. <laughs> Wanyama, had you expected him to be this good when we purchased him? No, not at all. Me neither. I, I had him pegged firmly as a bench player who would be useful when Dyer or Dembele were injured. I, st- I mean, if you'd asked me before the game on, on Sunday what my starting 11 would be with Aaron Fit, he'd be nowhere near it. In fact, to be honest, I'd probably still revert back to a 4-2-3-1 as we had last season with Dyer and Dembele at the base of it, but that's because I'm a stickler for tradition. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's much better. I do worry, and I, there is an argument that he could have gone on Sunday for a yellow card in the second half that looked a bit like a nasty tackle. And he has had two games now where he's been on a yellow from, what, the 30th minute onwards, which is law of averages, basically says that at some point he's going to go. So... um yeah, but he's he's been much better than I expected. His distribution in particular has been a lot better. Yeah, I I don't I hadn't watched him a huge amount last season, but I never watched him and thought, oh wow, his distribution is horrific. I just thought he just keeps it simple and keeps it moving, which is what you expect from a DM. I never expected him to come in and be Chabi Alonso or anything, but he has got the odd pass in him. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more mobile as well than. If you're playing Dara or even Dembele, he moves the ball a little bit quicker, gets forward a little bit quicker, uh, fills gaps a little bit quicker in, in the defence. I think Pochettino probably likes that quite a lot because it is that movement of parts and Wanyama is a lot more able to cover ground, I think. But then the, the option to then play Wanyama with either Dara or Dembele or, or any of that three, it really gives something ridiculously solid. Prof, I'm guessing you're not enjoying this talk of Wanyama being ahead of Dyer. I think it's justified, though. He's playing so well, I don't know what else you can do. I, I was just actually just sitting here thinking, um, you know, if he's going to pick up so many yellows, he'll get banned soon. And what a position to be in where you can bring in Eric Dyer to replace him. Yeah. And then you've still got someone young like Winks as well. I don't know. Yeah. That's uh, so top many and <laughs> Yeah. Let's not talk um, about Top Cat. So, all right, AC, go for you. What are your early impressions, and they are very early impressions, of GKN? Go on, do an impression. <laughs> how could I do an impression of him he's like only said like three words you just need to do a tweet and then finish it That's off with it. a load of emojis <laughs> uh, yeah I like him I like him a lot um, I like how direct he is I especially like how defensively how focused he is on getting back um, and he's very good at getting back as well probably I'd, I'd rank him up there with Lamella based on what we've seen so far in terms of how much hard work he does defensively. Um, and getting forward, I mean, was he against Chesco when he came on and just started brutalising their their right back? Yeah, he was mm-hmm. superb against them. Yeah, brilliant. Quite looking forward to seeing him the rest of the season. Strong social media presence, yes. Yeah. No, he's decent. I, I, I'm keen to see more in the... He's, he's developed into a what we hoped Clinton would be in that he can trap a ball. 
Yeah, it's nice to have a player that's quick and has a first touch as well. Yeah, can um, actually take the round thing with him. Yeah, there's uh, the, when he was signing us, someone knows sort of a League One expert, and he was saying that for a period he was drawing comparisons with uh, Frank Ribery, that he had the speed, the guile, the creativity, the quick feet, and you kind of get flashes of it that he is that kind of similar style player. And I think for the squad, he is exactly ticks this huge box because we didn't have a player that can really commit players and will just dribble and be incredibly direct. So I think he's a really useful weapon to have. Agreed. Um, and Sissoku, much like the Wanyama question, what you expected, not as good as you expected or better than expected, but also good enough to stay in the first team? Poch wanted him. It's quite evident that Poch wanted him, I think. Hence the elaborate transfer fee that we've agreed to. Um, oh, I don't think he's been at his best yet. I get a little bit nervous when we think about other players that we've bought after a tournament because the only one that springs to mind is Paulinho. Um, I'm, he's going to have to go some to win me over despite his decent performance as a part of an excellent side on Sunday. Yeah, ditto that. He just seems like a functional player to me. That he Timmy, I just don't get what the point of him is. Like you said, the, 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 your eyes tell you that occasionally he gets really confused and gives the ball back from where it's come as quickly as possible. And it also tells you that he dribbles into the corner and looks a little bit lost. Every now and then there's a great tackle or he gets in the way of the ball and releases it to someone else. But I don't I don't get him. Yeah, I think it's a hard, it's a hard one to understand quite why we spent so much money on him. Just just this very niche role that he can fulfil on that right side of midfield. I don't hate him. I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he'll probably ever be 30 million, but it'll be one of the biggest uh, marks of how good a manager and how good a player moulder Pochettino is if he gets anywhere near repaying that 30 million. I think at the moment, until Pochettino's managed to get him to improve himself a bit, he's going to be just a shut down the wing player. And someone who can fill in a hole, as Dimmy said, about letting Ali and Ericsson drift about. It's a job that needs to be done sometimes. be interesting to see him up against Chelsea and see if he can shut down Hazard as well. Fair enough. And before we move on to the sort of bigger picture questions, I think Dimmy referred earlier to our fixture list. I think somebody asked the question, um, the game starting with, with Manchester City over the weekend and finishing with uh, the game, I think it's a home game with United, no, an away game with United in mid-December. Um, we've got 14 games in that run, of which, of course, we've won the first one, um, which will go a long way towards defining our season, as you'd expect that many games to, but in, across a number of competitions. Um, obviously, we, we've got all our Champions League games left. We've got um, EFL, for those who care about it, but we play Leicester, we're away to Arsenal, uh, West Ham, away to Chelsea, and obviously away to United. Are we set up, is our squad set up, do you believe, to succeed, at least succeed, whatever success looks like to each of you, and that will be interesting to hear. You know, how many how many wins would we require out of those 14 games for it to be successful to you? Tricky one, that. I don't, I don't set numbers. I mean, be nice to win them all. Don't think we will. <laughs> um, key games in there, I would... I would be bitterly disappointed if we didn't beat West Ham by a comfortable margin because it would be funny. Um, yeah, game by game, really. I can't look beyond the, the, the next one coming up, and I'm really aware that's a trite, terrible cliche, but you don't know in five games' time 
what players will have available to us in the squad. It's international week. Things are going well for Spurs. There could be a plane crash knowing our luck. Good Lord, that took a nasty turn. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. It, it, there, there is still something that is inevitably Spursy about to slap us in the face. Or is that still just me? I do agree with you that a game at a time is the only way because, more, as you said, injuries, but also suspensions, other teams' injuries, other teams' suspensions. You know, classic would be the EFL um, fourth round game. It means so much more to Liverpool than it does to us. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'd like us to focus. Well, I'd like us to have a smattering of the youth in there as well. But I think even if we did, that shouldn't necessarily alter quite how we would set up and play the game because it's all now drilled all the way through to the youth ranks as well. I think it's, it's you know, there's a couple of games in there where you'd say, you know. If we play Chelsea and Gary Cahill's playing, we should win. <laughs> um, you just don't know what's going to happen. Let's say we play Arsenal and Mertesacker's playing. I'd expect to win that. It's it's difficult to say how we're going to do, but I feel confident against every team, like I said last season. And I, th- I just feel better that our squad is strong enough to cope with it, other than missing that one player, which you all discussed. And I didn't say anything because, frankly, I agree with... With what you said, uh, somebody to unlock a, a packed defence would go a long way for us. Um, but but I do see these games as challenging, but not overwhelmingly so. Yeah, one thing, actually, I think it's kind of been overlooked by our good start is that we've played three of the top five already. So it's only Arsenal that we haven't played. Uh, Crystal Palace at eighth. So half, over half our games have come against the top eight in the Premier League, and we're unbeaten. So... We've already kind of proven a degree of pedigree. Um, over a longer period, I guess, what would be satisfactory for me, as long as we're still in the top four come December, that would be good. Um, a draw and a win against Leverkusen would be ideal. And then whatever happens in the League Cup, I'm OK with, as long as there's four or five reserves and academy players uh, used. Because I think they deserve, after the way they performed against Gillingham, they deserve the chance for another run-out. So we'll finish off with three bigger picture questions. The first one is, um, how long until we we will be facing a players blocked by other players crunch? How long are the likes of Wimmer and Trippier, etc., going to be okay playing occasionally? I think we might have talked about Trippier before, but I've always had this view of Trippier being pretty happy being a squad player. I don't think he's got a desire to be ahead of Walker. I think he just likes to be part of the team. And it's not like he does a bad job when he comes in either. No. And Pochettino has installed this kind of we mentality. I was only going to do an AVB we is us quote there. Um, but he's <laughs> he's sort of done this whole much more um, encompassing and uh, inclusive feel about it. That even if a player isn't in the squad, you get a sense that he knows that because they've been pushing the rest of the team in training that they've contributed in some way. Um, and he has that mantra of, if you don't join the club to play, you join the club to train. So I think that the players know the deal when they sign up and they know, I mean, is it, if a player is playing like Sun, then you can't really, uh, be too annoyed if you're not getting in the team ahead of him. Likewise, if you're, uh, Vimmer and, or Camel Carter Vickers and you can't get in the side because of Adabirald and Vertonghen. Um, I think maybe long term, they might push for a move away. But at the moment, I think as long as the team is successful and uh, as long as the players that are ahead of them in the pecking order are performing, you can't really have that many complaints. 
And also, if the games you're coming in for, like Trips, was you're now playing in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. It's not that bad, is it? And it's always going to be easier if 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 we keep pushing for the title. I, I think it's going to be much easier to keep them happy. For me, I think honestly, it's it's a it's a high quality problem to have. I'd much rather be having that kind of discussion than no, we need five more first teamers or we'll go down. Yep. So our next one is from Glatza. He asks the panel, I'd love Pochettino to stay and finish the project he has here, but we all know money talks. Is the panel concerned that our continued progress under Pochettino will make him a target for the mega clubs in the near future? No. Yes. 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 Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I know people talk about this stuff, but we've always paid a ridiculous amount of money in terms of salary for managers. So I don't see it being a personal financial thing. We're still providing the, him, the, Pochettino, with the tools he wants. He's always been someone who likes to be able to bring players through the youth system and not have to sign big players all the time. I can't think where he'd rather be at this present time. No, at this present time, you're right. But Real Madrid? Yeah. Bringing just... players through, though. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that... I, yeah, I was thinking about this with um, the Guardiola-Pochettino matchup at the weekend, that... Guardiola and a lot of those bigger managers, they seem like guys that sort of refine already good players, that they kind of get the best out of already expensive players. Whereas Pochettino is someone that builds players from scratch. And I guess he would lose some of that if he went to a big club. Um, but then at the same time, can you really say no to Real Madrid? Can you say no to Barcelona? Well, I think Surely Barcelona that's would be the one, wouldn't it? Because their reputation of La Masia is far greater than anything about Real's youth ranks. I mean, admittedly, that hasn't really been a conveyor belt for quite some time. But if anyone was going to be able to, to shape that and, and make something of it, then it probably would be. Perth. But then Real Madrid's a strange one because they have all these good young players coming through and they send them all out on loan. So they brought Morata back. They've got this young guy called Asensio who is keeping Isco out of the squad a little bit. I they sort of coming back into the reckoning now. Um, they have actually got a really good academy, but there tends to be a tendency to go for Galacticos rather than the young players. So if Florentino Perez, who is a known admirer of Pochettino from the first time he uh, got a win over Pep's Barcelona... Um, if he decides that they want to take a change in direction, which they may do once uh, Cristiano Ronaldo runs out of legs, you know, maybe Pochettino probably is the the best manager available. The only hope I think is that Thomas Tuchel is so good with with uh, Borussia Dortmund that everyone goes to him instead of Pochettino. I think it'd be really difficult for Pochettino to go into Real Madrid, even if Ronaldo left, and to get them all to start playing a high press Pochettino style. Yeah, maybe. It's, it seems like a suicide role to me. Well, in terms of those bigger names not being prepared to do the donkey work. Yeah, and also that, you know, it's going to take him, it always takes Pochettino teams time to get going in the way he wants to play. So he's going to have to start again. And if they're not, you know, top of the table after the first 15 games or whatever, he's going to be under pressure. Isn't that kind of a brilliant challenge, though? If you're looking at that from like a neutral perspective, mm. you know the 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 chance to go into a club like that and completely reshape it, and to do so under this enormous amount of pressure, I imagine that's quite appetising. It's not like he won't rate himself either. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, and it does depend on what's important to him. Uh, one of you mentioned that he may not be all about the money. Well, most people are to some degree. Um, and and some of these bigger clubs can offer more. Not that we're not paying him well, but much more to the point is if his desire is to be regularly, and I mean pretty much every year, Champions League semi-final and better, then he's going to look elsewhere, potentially. Yeah, but I feel like he will at least give us some kind of level of loyalty. The way he talks about you know, bringing in the new era in the new stadium. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have at least got him for another two years. Yes, I agree. But even, is... even in two years' time, we could be in the Champions League semi-finals regularly. That seems a little yes. unambitious to not let's, think. Let's that. see how we get on with a few more games at Wembley first. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to get to it this season. Yes, you I'm are. Saying... You said it on tape. <laughs> <That's Yeah. laughs> Well, a good, good one to finish with, a good question that comes from the great Blighty. And he says, I believe we are witnessing the third great period of Spurs football in my 55 years of supporting the club. The first period was the double team and the period immediately afterwards under Bill Nick. The second was the team Birkenshaw created and now Pochettino squad. Does the panel agree or disagree that this is the third great golden age of Spurs football? Way too early for me. We're playing some lovely football, definitely. We're well drilled. We there is a connection between the fans and the and the club again, which is wonderful after some of the wilderness years we've had. So yeah, I mean there are encouraging signs, but I'm not going to go too early on it. But Blighty's, I mean, who am I to argue with Blighty anyway? I'll say yes. <laughs> it's, it's the best team we've had since Birkenshaw, but that's not difficult to say. <laughs> no, it's not. So it's not. That's the thing. It's it's no longer reliant around one player like we were, say, with Bale in the Champions League run last time round. Although that does down Modric, but you get the point. There are more options for us to be a strong, performing side. It's a unit again. I've got to confess that I'm not quite as old as Blighty, so for me it is <laughs> the uh, the best. I'd say it's the best team of my lifetime. But to sort of um, confirm that and properly solidify it, there, ne- there needs to be trophies at the end of it yeah yeah and i think that's that, that would be my caveat to what blighty said is that um i still for me i'm one of those people that is trophies matter a lot regardless um and, and until we lift some silverware um i'm not going to be as quick to say that this is a golden era well i only got to the end of the season as ac predicted earlier oh, that's true <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, on that uh, on that note, let's wrap things up. Um, great job done by everyone on the panel, and uh, wonderful uh, questions sent in by Coisers. Uh, thanks very much to our panel of AC, Jake, and Dimmy God. This is Prof signing out. Come on, you Spurs! <laughs>